Testament responsibilities that we have. Uh, I'm thankful that as a child of God, that when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I, listen, I was given the opportunity to become an heir and join heir with Jesus Christ, to have my name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and now I had the opportunity when I was presented uh, salvation to become a son of God, the Bible says. If you're saved, aren't you thankful for that this morning? That the Bible says he gave us power to become the sons of God. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Look, I'm thankful to be an American. I really am. Uh, I'm thankful to live in the greatest country on planet Earth. I'm thankful this morning to be an Andrews. That's part of my name. I have a good family. I have a goodly heritage. I'm thankful for that. But I'll tell you, the greatest opportunity that I've ever had is not just being an American. It's not just being an Andrews. But the greatest opportunity I've ever had is the privilege to be called the sons of God. What a privilege. Listen, to one day be separated from God by my sin and outcast, separated from him for all eternity, and yet through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I have the opportunity to be called the sons of God. What a privilege this morning. But I want you to think about something in this early message that I hope is going to challenge you and prepare you even for the second message. They're not combined, but I think this will help you digest the second one a little bit better. Just because we have an opportunity for something doesn't mean we don't also have responsibilities to something. All right, we read in the book of Hebrews all the opportunities that we have because we're the children of God and we see how Christ in fulfilling that Old Testament, that Mosaic law, that all right, Christ fulfilled that and now I have the opportunities with no responsibilities. No. As you read Hebrews 10, you're going to see there are multiple opportunities that we have that also come with responsibilities that we have. I'll tell you how the Lord began to stir this introduction in my heart this week. I was sitting in my wife's grandmother's house and went up there for Thanksgiving. It's the first Thanksgiving uh, without her grandfather. He went to heaven here a while back and first Thanksgiving without him and went up there to spend that with her grandmother and her family. And uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to have a good family that I was born into and then also a good family I was married into. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what that's like. I don't want to get you in trouble, okay, around the holidays, but I'm thankful to have been born born into a good family, and to have married into a good family. And man, when we get together at their house, it's like getting together at my mom and dad's. It's a big spread. I mean, there was a ham and a turkey and dressing. Uh, look, they have dressing with onions, dressing without onions. They have three kinds of potato salad. Potato salad that's plain, potato salad with pickles, and then potato salad with pickles and onions. I mean, it accommodates everybody that's there. And as I sat there looking around at all the food that was being prepared, I noticed something. I noticed that even though we were going to have an opportunity to feast on the wonderful spread that was there, that opportunity also came with responsibilities. My wife got up early that morning, went over to her grandmother's and began helping bake the, uh, the, the cornbread for the dressing. And I walked over and she's mixing up all of that cornbread for the dressing. And then somebody was in charge of cakes and uh, somebody, uh, my father-in-law was in charge of baking or, or, or frying the turkey. Uh, and then me, it's my job to carve the turkey. Every year I get that wonderful privilege of having that Norman Rockwell moment of carving the golden turkey. And that's my responsibility. You see, I have the opportunity to partake, but that opportunity comes with responsibilities that I'm also given that I need to adhere to as well. 
Now, as we read Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, you look close, you're going to see what we're going to preach about for a few minutes, the responsibility of our opportunity. That's what we're going to preach about today, the responsibility of our opportunity. Now, go back chapter 10, look down to verse 21. The Bible says we have a high priest over the house of God, and then watch this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, what's amazing is when you read Hebrews chapter 10, you begin seeing the opportunities that are obvious there. That now, because of Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. Oh, what a privilege this morning that you and I have access to Almighty God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says the veil of the temple was rent. That veil, that curtain that separated the outsider from being able to come toward to God and to close the distance before God. And now we have that opportunity. But wait a minute, there's a responsibility that's there. Look what he says in verse 22. Let us draw near. Now, the opportunity is being able to draw near. Do you know what the responsibility is that comes with that opportunity? We have the opportunity to draw near, therefore we have a responsibility to draw near. Now, notice what it says, let us draw near. You know, now that I can be close to God, you know what the responsibility is? That I should be close to God. Number one, this morning, I want you to notice the first responsibility is a closeness to him. Let us draw near with a true heart. Now, you think about the folks in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they relied on the priest to go on their behalf. And they would go to that priest to make that sacrifice. He would enter into that veil and go into the presence of God on their behalf. And the people in the Old Testament were on the outside looking in. All right? As a matter of fact, they were not only on the outside looking in, they were on the outside not able to even go in. Kind of like some of our college football teams, amen? They're on the outside and they're not even going to make it in, right? And then lo and behold, I went ahead and said it, so you were, th- you were already thinking it. I was waiting for some of you to dig me after the service on that, so I went ahead and dug myself on that, okay? In the Old Testament, they were on the outside looking in. And yet because of what Jesus Christ did, and when that veil was rent, now we have the opportunity to have a closeness with him. Can I tell you, that opportunity comes with responsibility. You and I have the responsibility to do what verse 22 says. Let us draw near with a true heart. You see, folks, what a privilege we have today. What an opportunity it is to be called the sons of God. But having that opportunity comes with an almighty and a sacred responsibility for you and I to make the most of it by drawing near and having that closeness with God. I think about this morning. I woke up about 5 a.m. And before I had my coffee, before I opened my Bible, before I made the first note, you know what I got to do? You know what I got to do? I got to draw near and have a closeness with my Father. You know why I was able to do that? Because of what Jesus did for me. And you read Hebrews chapter number 10, we have access to Almighty God, but all oh, that access and that opportunity comes with a responsibility for you and I to make sure we have a closeness with Him. It's a responsibility we have. I look at our country and how enamored we are with opportunity, and I'm thankful for the opportunity of our country. The sad thing is we pay attention to all the opportunity we have and neglect the great responsibility that we have. 
And that's why we see our country heading down the road that we're going. I think that's why we see Christians heading down the road they're heading down. Why? Because we see the opportunity that have not accepted the responsibility. Think about it this way this morning. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain with God, spending time with God, having closeness with God? You remember that? The Bible says he came down the mountain. All of a sudden, his face was glowing. You could tell that in Moses' life, there was a closeness. People could look at his life and tell, hey, he's been with God. He's walked with God. He has sat with God. He has talked with God. You could tell it all over him. You see, his witness was directly affected by his closeness to God. Could that be said of us today? I wonder. Is that why we're not the witness we ought to be in the world we're living in? We don't have a closeness with God. Oh, we're thankful to be called the sons of God and to be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. To have our name written down in the Lamb's book of life and have an assurance that we can never go to hell. What a wonderful opportunity that is. But boy, there's a responsibility that comes along with that. That now that I have access to the Father and I have a closeness to the Father, I have a responsibility to stay close to the Father. Why? Because my witness depends on it. Uh, Look, I think the reason we're not shining as lights like Moses did in our workplace, the reason we're not shining as a witness like Moses did in our schoolhouses, in our family reunions, during the holiday. Hey, what a wonderful time you have this year. What a wonderful opportunity we have during the holiday season to be a witness to our lost loved ones and friends and neighbors. I hate to tell you, many of us will not. Do you know why? Can I just be honest with you this morning? I think it's all right to be honest behind the pulpit, isn't it? I believe the reason we're not going to shine as the witness that we need to be is because we haven't taken up the responsibility of having a closeness with God. You see, that closeness is what gives us our glow. Amen? That's why some of you ain't glowing. All right? You haven't been close to him in a little while. It's all over your countenance. Here was Stephen having his brains beat out, and yet he forgave the people who was, who was murdering him. How did he do that? How did he keep that countenance? Oh, Stephen had a closeness with God. He wasn't just thankful for the opportunity. You know what I believe he did in his life? I believe he drew near with a true heart. When I was a kid, I was amazed by the wonderful technology of things that glowed in the dark. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then and and tablets and all of those things. And I was just amazed at how things glowed in the dark, you know. And you'd you'd have something that glowed, no matter what it was, and you take it and you put it beside the light bulb. And you felt like if you really touched the light bulb with it, it was going to glow longer, right? And so we we would take those glow-in-the-dark things and we put them on the light bulb. And then you run into a dark room and it just glowed a whole lot, all right? The longer you held it there, the longer it was going to glow later. I remember my brother, I forget what it was, but he had some type of glow-in-the-dark stickers, and he put them all over the ceiling in our bedroom. Now, he was sleeping on the top bunk at that time, and so they were right there where he could uh, put those glow-in-the-dark things on the ceiling. We had a good friend of ours, Dad, remember his name was Eli. Eli came and stayed with us one night, uh, and all of a sudden, Mom and Dad walk out of the bedroom and flip the light off, and you heard this terrifying scream. It was because Eli was laying there staring at the ceiling, and whatever my brother put up on the ceiling scared the daylights out of him. Those things that stuck there by the light all, all day long, and they'd soaked up all of that power. When the lights went dark, man, they did their job. You know, that's how you and I ought to be. 
You see, we have a closeness to God. We get close to God. We take advantage of that great opportunity and the responsibility to do what? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. You see, you need that closeness in order to glow. I want to tell you, this world's getting dark. The lights are going out, and we're not shining very bright. Can I tell you why? Look, it's not because you don't have a good preacher. It's not because you don't have a good Sunday school teacher. It's not because you don't have a good church. Let me tell you, the reason we're not glowing and shining like we should is because we're not taking up the responsibility of having a closeness with God. Every morning we wake up, you're going to roll out of bed and have some closeness with God. I don't know about you, I think I drift in my sleep. I don't know how that happens. You know, sometimes I feel like the devil, you know he's a coward. He'll attack you in your sleep. Man, all of a sudden you wake up and you're in a a grumpy mood. Your spouse asks you, you say, I don't know why. My wife and I have a deal. When we wake up in a grumpy mood, we tell each other. I'm going to tell you, I'm just grumpy and I don't know why and it's not your fault. It's like, okay. I think it's good. Because then you spend the rest of the day trying to figure out what happened. I don't know about you, I need that in my morning as Abraham did, as Moses did, to rise up early in the morning and have a closeness with God. That's a responsibility we have. Verse chapter 10 talks about the opportunity. Thank God for the opportunity, but it comes with responsibility. Let us draw near. I think the best thing you can do for your children, have a closeness with God. Have a closeness with God. I think it did Noah's children well that he walked with God. Save their life. It might change your child's life. Save your children's life. Save the future of your home. Making sure you take up the responsibility of verse 22 of having a closeness with God. But let's hurry. Verse 23. Verse 22 says, let us draw near. Verse 23, what does it say? Let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. You read that, it it gives you the idea of, of, of having a good grip. All right, having a good grip. So what does it say? Let us hold fast or have a good grip on the profession of our faith. So what is the opportunity? Well, the opportunity is to have faith. Isn't that wonderful? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, hey, I get to have faith, to be a part of this, to have a profession of faith. Do you know if it hadn't been for Christ, I couldn't have the profession of faith that I do. I'm thankful for that opportunity, all right? If he hadn't come and lived and died and rose again, I'd never have that opportunity. But he did. And now I have that opportunity. But wait a minute, what am I supposed to do with it? Well, verse 23, here's the responsibility. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Number two, what is the responsibility? It's a commitment to faith. A commitment to faith. So the responsibility is we've got to learn how to be committed to our faith. Now, it's easy to look at salvation as fire insurance, isn't it? I'll use it when I need it. I'm afraid we've, we've near about taught an entire generation that false premise that salvation is just a responsibility. No, there's uh, an opportunity. There's responsibilities that come along with it. I'm afraid that rather than living by our faith, we look at it as just lasting by our faith. Rather than live by it on a daily basis, we only pull it out when we're about to die. And we need, all right, God, I have an emergency. Can I tell you, your faith is not a life preserver, it's a lifestyle, all right? Your faith is not something that you just pull out. All right, I better pick it up today. I better hold on tight. You know, I've got a rough day at work or a rough patch at work. Or, man, i got to go hang around some bad coworkers. I'm going to need my faith today. Can I tell you, you needed your faith before you ever got out of bed. 
That's why we have a responsibility to do what? Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. That's why Hebrews 10, verse 38, not far down the line, says the just shall live by faith. I'm afraid, look, even in Baptist circles, we've got it bad. We've got it bad. We last by our faith. We don't live by our faith. All right, man, about time I go to church. The bank account's getting below $100. All right, I'm going to last by my, oh, you know what? It looks, like that, it looks like that maybe the doctor's appointment's not going to go well. The diagnosis is not going to be good. I better go get some faith so that I can last. Hey, it's not something to last by. It's something to live by. And you and I have a responsibility to do what? Verse 23, hold fast the profession of our faith. I'm genuinely afraid this morning that our kids believe that faith is an influence on our lives only in particular hours a week, in particular locations in the city. All right, it's 9 o'clock on Sunday, time to get our faith on. It's time to go ahead, let's, let's go get our, look, we, we look at our faith like I do ties. We'll go pick out the one I'm going to wear today. Which one have I not worn lately? That's how I decide what I'm going to wear. All right, time to go get my faith out of the closet and put it back on. I believe, by the way, your kids are learning that whether you're telling them that or not. They're watching. You know, I don't sleep in this. Believe it or not, I don't sleep in this. Some of you may have been around a preacher's house. You're like, that would just be miserable having to sleep in your pajamas. and I mean, sleep in your, uh, in your suit and all. No, no, no. When I go home, I take the suit off. I really do. I, I got some Mickey Mouse pajamas that I wear. I really do. Quit laughing. I didn't tell what you got. You probably got SpongeBob. You know, I'm not going to go down that road. I take this off. I don't take my faith off. I'm supposed to hold that fast. Why? Just shall live by faith. That means I hold on to it. I hang on to it. Can I tell you, that's why we wonder when our kids leave our households, why they make a hard left turn back toward the world is because we taught them that because they saw us not holding fast our profession. They saw us profess it here on Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, but on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we wasn't holding on to that. We was holding on to something else. Folks, can I tell you, you have a responsibility to do what verse 23 says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. I remember years ago, my dad started to preach, and dad, I apologize, it's kind of like Miley, I tell stories about my family, but I tell stories about your family if you tell me some of them, but they probably wouldn't appreciate that, so I'm not going to talk about yours, I'll talk about mine. I remember when my dad started to preach, I was old enough to, to really be cognizant of what was going on, and man, my dad quit his job, uh, sold our house, sold our picnic table, uh, I mean, if it wasn't tied down, it got sold. Our playhouse, it got sold, you know. Still had my brother, but, you know, it kind of goes with, no, I love my brother. And watching, we're watching things drive off the property. And we watch get in the U-Haul to drive off the property. I'm like, oh, we're really doing this, huh? We're not going to have a side gig over here, you know, just kind of, hey, we're going to serve God over here, but then go back to our life. No, no, this was our life now. Something you take hold fast of. Two-handed. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Jesus said, Luke 9, 62, Jesus said unto them, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, you can make a mess of things in your life and in your children's life if they can't tell you've taken hold fast of your faith. You're going to make a mess of things. Why? You can't look forward and backwards at the same time. 
We have a huge surprise tonight for, for our church, for our kids. It's 6.30 and 7.30 tonight. We have something we haven't even told you about. And we were up here last night working on it, finalizing it. It's going to be exciting. You want to be here tonight. It's going to be really, really good. So we're up here last night. You can only do it at dark to make sure everything's going to work. And while we're, I'm up on a ladder out there by Highway 49, and all of a sudden we hear, and we see this car spinner, and then this other car just takes off. We witnessed a hit and run last night. Brother Ray was up here helping me. He saw it, man. I mean, it was just crazy going on. Brother Ray, I feel like that was our fault. Because what we were doing, I think, distracted somebody. And they weren't watching where they were going. And they ran into somebody else and took off. I think we caused a hit and run last night. The guy was okay. Went over there and talked to the policeman. He was going to be fine. But evidently, the guy was going down the road and was watching what we were doing. Not keeping his eye on the road where he was going. And he ran into the other guy that was out there. You see, you can't drive forward while you're looking backwards. You've got to be holding fast that, hey, this is the direction I'm going. I'm not half in, half out. I'm not pointing forward but looking backwards. Hey, I'm holding fast to my faith. I have a responsibility to keep it between the lines. I've got children behind me. They need to know we're going this way, that we're not flirting back with the world. We're not looking back at Egypt. We're going to the promised land of where God's called us. We're holding fast, holding fast. It's a commitment to our faith. I thought about the numbers just last night, about the 10 spies. You think about those 10 spies that convinced Israel not to go into the promised land. You know, there's, there's at least, we're thinking 2 million people. 2 million. 10 unfaithful servants steered 2 million people, or at least half of them, to destruction. Man, it's caught, look, you have a responsibility to take firm hold of your faith. Why? Because of those who are behind you, you're leading them. Number one, notice the closeness to him. Number two, a commitment to faith. Let's keep reading. We're staying on schedule. Amen. See your amen and it's going well. Verse 24, then watch what it says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here's what's amazing. Notice now our faith is branching out beyond ourselves. That's one of the beautiful things about our faith. It's not selfish. You know, some circles have that us for and no more kind of mentality. I'm thankful that's not my faith. My faith goes beyond me. Now, this is talking to Christians and how we should treat one another. This is the third responsibility that comes. Hey, we have an opportunity to have faith. I'm thankful for that. But it comes with a responsibility. What is that? Number three, notice to be considerate of others. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And here's what's beautiful. The beauty of verse number 24 is it follows the pattern that was set forth by Christ. Do you know why you have the opportunities you have? Because there was a loving heavenly father who considered you. He considered you. He looked down. He saw us dead in our trespasses and sins eternally separated him from him because of our sin. We were captives. We dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, the Bible says. And he considered us. Not only did he consider us, you know what he did next? He acted upon that. He acted upon that. Watch what it says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see, Christ was the catalyst for our opportunity. If Christ hadn't have done what Christ did, we would not have the opportunities that we have. And can I tell you, that responsibility now falls to us to be the catalyst for somebody else's opportunity. Look, we're not talking about salvation. Watch what it says. 
And let us, speaking to the Christians, that's what the us is about, consider, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see, all the opportunity you and I have is through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All the opportunity come through Christ. It's because of him that we have that opportunity. Now watch this. God says, I want you to be that catalyst in somebody else. For what? For love and unto good works. Now, here's what's amazing. That word consider means to show focus. When I consider something, I'm focusing in on it. You know, sometimes Milo will come and ask me, Dad, can, can we go here? Can we do that? Can we buy this? Can we buy that? And sometimes it's, it's, it's to be honest with you, Miles, it's totally off the wall and not going to happen. Dad, can we go to Paris tomorrow? That, that's a big no, you know. I don't want to lead her along. I don't want to hurt her feelings, but I'm just like, uh, no, sweetheart, just not today, all right? I learned as a youth pastor, use the word maybe, maybe, you know, or we'll see. It's a nice way to say no without saying it. You parents need to write that down. That'll help you in a whole lot of trouble. All right? But Miley, she'll ask me, Dad, could, could we go to Sonic? And I'll pause. And as a little girl, she knows when Dad pauses, she's got him. <laughs> it's like a crack in the door, and you get the crowbar in. She all, she's just got to start wiggling it. She's got it now. Just like, really, man? Really, man? It's been a while since we've gone to Sonic. By the way, they shrunk the grilled cheese. What a shame that is. I mean, the world's just going down really bad here in America today. When I consider something, I'm showing my focus. Watch. When he says to consider one another, that means focus. If I'm going to consider you, I've got to focus on you. If I'm going to focus on you, I can't be focused on me. You see, isn't that what Christ did? For God so loved the world that he gave. His focus was on us. So what did he do? Well, he considered us, and his actions proved that. Here's something interesting. When I looked up that word provoke, I mean that word, yeah, provoke. Stick with me now, all right? It means irritant. Some of you are like, yes, I am scriptural. Because you are an irritant. Well, the Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love. It means like to be an irritant. That, that I'm going to be the catalyst behind that. And I, I couldn't help but think about a, a pearl uh, every time, uh, well, this past, this past uh, about a month ago, we were in San Francisco, went down to Pier 39, and they had the, the uh, Hawaiian pick-a-pearl thing where you can get this oyster, you buy this oyster, and they have a, embedded uh, a piece of sand or a piece of shell inside of that oyster, uh, and over, I don't know, weeks or years, months, I don't know how long it takes, it develops a pearl. And what's amazing is that pearl is produced out of an irritant. A piece of sand or trash or debris gets inside of that oyster, and that oyster is trying to make it smoother, and it starts building up that calcium on the outside of it. And after a while, that irritant has provoked a pearl. Hey, can I tell you, that's the kind of irritants I need in my life, amen? Uh, not to provoke me to anger, not to provoke me to envy or jealousy. I, hey, I want the type of people in my life, they're going to be an irritant that provokes me unto pearls, that's what this verse is saying. Let us consider one another and provoke unto love and to good works. You know what this means? Why don't you be the reason someone else loves? Why don't you be the reason somebody else does some good work? Hey, why don't you be the person that provokes that? Here's the sad thing is, oftentimes, I'm guilty, I've been the reason they've been mad. 
I've been the reason they were offended. I've been the reason they were not faithful. I've been the reason that someone may have wanted to quit. Hey, I've been the reasons. I have been the the catalyst for that. The Bible says that, hey, I have the opportunity of being the sons of God and all we're in the family of God. How great that is. I ought to look around and see who I can be the reason that they smile. I saw that one uh, other day on a bumper sticker. It was probably a hippie, but it was true. It says, be the reason someone smiles today. I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I said, my wife, goofy text all the time. There are pictures of me, but, you know, it makes her laugh. Just makes her smile. I'll do that with my daughter every once in a while. I FaceTimed them yesterday. They were shopping at Miss Brittany's store. And, uh, you know, I try to call her once in a while to make sure she hasn't used a credit card, you know, too much. Like, hey, just let you know, be careful, you know. And uh, so I FaceTimed her yesterday. And when I FaceTimed her, I had my eyeball right up there to the lens where she could see my eyeball knowing I was watching her. And I heard them laughing in the background. Isn't it wonderful when you're the reason somebody smiles? Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? We have, we have a wonderful program in the new year we're going to roll out to where we're going to reach into Hattiesburg with service opportunities, and we're going to be the reason that somebody is encouraged. We're going to be the reason somebody smiles. We're going to be the reason that somebody feels like getting back up on their feet and coming to the house of God. What a blessing we have that opportunity, but it's not just an opportunity. When you look at an opportunity, we look at opportunities as something we can take or leave. That's why it's a responsibility. What did he say? He said, verse 24, and let us consider one another. You know what you ought to do? This is going to be hard, okay? You ought to look around and find the most grumpy person you can find and be the irritant for their smile. Some of you are going to get inundated after church. You're like, is it me? Here's what we do. Here's the sad thing. We see somebody who's downcast, heartbroken, we can tell their countenance has fallen, and we're thinking, hmm, what's up with them? They need somebody to provoke them to love and to good works. Why don't you decide you're going to do that? All right? I told you. I've got this ongoing campaign with the Dollar General lady. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her. Every time I go in there, I think she's like, oh, it's him again. And, and I think she starts thinking sad thoughts as soon as she sees me to make herself frown. Her dog died or something, you know, thinking about something sad, missing Christmas or coal in her stocking. She thinks sad thoughts to make her not smile. And I'm, look, I've made it my mission. I'm going to provoke her to smile. Look, you have a responsibility as a church body, what it say, and let us. Who's the us? That's the family. You look around the room and you find one of us who needs to smile, who needs to be provoked to love and to good works, and you go be that piece of sand that turns into a pearl. You ought to this morning. We got quiet, now we're going to stretch it out a little bit longer. Number three, what's our responsibility, the opportunity to be considered of others? And then finally, verse 25, I'll give you this, and we'll close. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Together Now, I want you to watch something real, real close. Verse 22 says, let us, speaking of a group. Verse 23, let us, speaking of a group. Verse 24, let us, speaking of the group. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, speaking of a group. The final responsibility I have this morning, thank God for the opportunities of being a child of God and joining here with Jesus Christ to have my name written down in heaven and to have eternal life. Well, what an opportunity. But I have a responsibility that comes with that. Some responsibilities that come with being a child of God. Notice it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Number four, and we'll close after this. We have a responsibility to come together. A responsibility to come together. 
I assure you the devil is going to give you enough reasons not to. The last three years, I, I, I talked with a, a preacher this week. He said, I've never seen anything like the last three years. I said, tell me about it. So you ought to be a new pastor when all this stuff breaks out. So many reasons not to come. People's boldness and desire is just waned. That falling away is kicking in. You're going to have every reason in the world not to come together, but I want you to notice we have a responsibility not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Responsibility goes beyond just showing up, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm not a theologian, but I think I can look on the horizon of this world and this age, and I may be wrong, but I think I see the day approaching. It's coming. It's coming. The Bible says, okay, when you see the day approaching, what are you supposed to do? The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I don't need less church. I need more church. By the way, that's why we're meeting at 945. I wasn't going to cancel church. It says, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can I tell you, you and I have a responsibility to one another, to us. You have a responsibility. Hey, isn't it wonderful to have the opportunity to be us? I got my wife a card, or did you get me a card? It's been a while. Our first Christmas together, 17 years ago. And, and the card said, I love being us with you. It was one of those things thinking, man, I wish I'd have come up with that. You know, there's some guys who must just sit around in a, in a room listening to, to, to classical music and come up with these romantic phrases. It was great. I love being us with you. You know what? I love being us with you. And you look around the room at Central Baptist Church. I hope you love being us with you. You look around, hey, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a part of us. But there's a responsibility we have one to another. To be together, not just that, but to exhort one another so much the more. Folks, this morning, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a child of God, a member of Central Baptist Church, to be called an American. All the opportunities we have, but can I tell you, those opportunities come with responsibilities. We have responsibility, number one, to be close to him. How, are, how close are you? How close are you this morning? So, well, I think I'm pretty close. Well, how bright is your light shining? closer you get to him, the brighter that witness is going to be. People are going to be able to tell that you've been with him. I won't call anybody's name, but there are people in this room right now that I've heard some of you talk about, they walk with God. You can see it. Man, wouldn't you love that to be said of you? Do you know how that happens? You've got to have a closeness to him. That's when he rubs off on you, close to him. Number two, make sure you're committed to your faith. Holding fast. We have a responsibility to. Hey, what an opportunity we have to have faith. I'm thankful for that. No, no, no. You have a responsibility. Let us hold fast. Let us look forward, not behind, where the will of God is for our life. Number three, don't forget, be considerate of others. Be that irritant of love and good works for somebody today. Tonight, we're going to have hundreds of people here on our property by the grace of God. I've already been told by by folks I've never met before, hey, we're going to come be a part of that. Folks on Facebook, hey, we're going to come be a part of that. There's going to be people on our property tonight who need to be provoked to love and good works. Don't walk around there night and stay with your little group, your little clan. Well, this is my people that I hang around. No, no, no. This is called outreach. Reach outside of your box, outside of your comfort zone, and provoke somebody to love and good works. Can I tell you, you'll have a greater opportunity than my preaching to get them in here. Amen? People respond to love. 
But you got to reach outside your box. That's the responsibility. And then finally, never neglect the responsibility of coming together. I know in the world, church attendance is going down. People are falling away from the faith. Hey, you have a responsibility. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And as we see each other adrift, let's exhort one another. Why? Because salvation is not just an opportunity. It comes with responsibilities. And boy, God's given us a great one this morning. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our pianist is going to come this morning. Here's what I want to ask you by way of invitation. I know folks will be coming here in a moment, but we're not going to skip an invitation today. The Word of God was preached. I know the Holy Spirit of God moved, and we need to respond. How are you doing with your responsibilities this morning? Are you close to Him? Are you committed to your faith? Are you considerate of others? And are you coming together as you should? If not, let's work on that during this time. Father, 